pomp and pageantry always stir us. doesn't matter if we're part of that country or that situation. We're always stirred whenever we see it. It's just part of how we're made. Recently, of course, we had the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, who had been the longest reigning major monarch in the history, really, of the world. And uh, the pomp and pageantry, pageantry of that was uh, just amazing. And, of course, uh, whenever you see military colors and you see military uh, displays of, of a pageantry, it is also very stirring. Well, that's exactly what the priestly garb in the Old Testament uh, had as its purpose, and that was inspiring awe and reverence. We talked about this morning that our holy God is righteous and He is just, perfect judgment. And so uh, with that in mind, leading to worship, the uh, garb of the priest, and especially the high priest, was to point to the dignity and person ultimately of Jesus Christ and, uh, and His work. Speaking of the Savior and the fact that we need to see Him in His glory, we need to see Him in all that He is, the last words that um, C.H. Spurgeon ever spoke from the pulpit of the Metropolitan Tabernacle were on June the 7th, 1891. And here is what he said. These were his very last words. Speaking of Jesus, He is the most magnanimous of captains, If there is anything gracious, generous, kind, and tender, lavish, and superabundant love, you always find it in Him. These forty years and more have I served Him, and I have nothing but love for Him. His service is life, peace, joy. Oh, that you would enter into it at once. God help you to enlist under the banner of Jesus even this day. And so as we look at Exodus chapter uh, 28, I want us to see not the details of uh, the high priestly garb just for details' sake, but I'd like for us to understand that what we're doing is just looking at different facets of who Jesus Christ is and His intermediary work for us uh, as our high priest. So that's Exodus chapter 28. We'll look just quickly at that chapter as an overview here tonight in preparation for our time and remembering what Christ has done. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Hebrews 4.14, Seeing then that we have an high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. What a Savior. We can never say too much about Him. We can never extol uh, His greatness too much. And may the Spirit of God help us tonight as we think about that. We think of Hebrews 8, 1, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Think about that. Our high priest is at the throne. Hebrews 9, 11, But God, 
But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say not of this building. He is our great high priest. So let's look here at the choosing of the high priest, first of all, verse 1, And take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. It's amazing here when you see God's grace. Aaron was the inferior brother to Moses. And the tribe that he belonged to, the tribe of Levi, was the least honorable of the twelve. In fact, the patriarch Jacob cursed their cruelty when they killed the men of Shechem. And at the very time Moses was on the mount getting these instructions for the priesthood, Aaron was making the golden calf for the false worship of Jehovah. Well, Christ represents humanity. (laughs) Uh, And Aaron certainly represented humanity. Uh, It's, uh, as we see here, he came from among the children of Israel, out of the tribe of Levi. God in His sovereignty and His grace chose Aaron, not because of merit, but because of choice. Jesus Christ became one of us. Now you've got to understand that mankind is the rebel race. We are all rebels. We have all come short of the glory of God. Our sin, really, when you get down to the essence of how selfish we are and all the things of our life is honestly such a contrast to the beauty and holiness of God. And we think of, as was well stated by Pastor Van, the matter of Christ humbling Himself and becoming a child. And I'll refer to that, I'm sure, as we have these different Christmas programs. But my friends, the greatest humbling of all is that the great high priest became a man. Yes, He was a perfect man. Yes, He did not have the sin nature. Yes, that is why He could be the perfect sacrifice. But He identified with the rebels. He identified with gross sin. He became one of us. And my friends, it is to me still beyond comprehension that He sits today on high as a man forever identified with this fallen creation. He loves us. Never, never wonder whether He loves us. Just look at Jesus at the right hand of the Father with the nail prints in His hands and feet and the scars on His head and realize that He is identified with this hopeless race forever glorified, obviously God, but yet man. So Aaron... (laughs) is a picture of what Christ identified with. Hebrews 2.9, But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He by the grace of God should taste death for every man. But Christ elevates us through His grace. 
And I love Ephesians 2, 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together, where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He not only came, identified with us, died for us, rose again, ascended. He, he is identified with us personally. We are one with Him. We are in Christ. Christ is in us, in the person of the indwelling Spirit of God. We are one with Him. We are a child of God. My friends, as we think of the picture of the high priest, what Christ did is so superior. And this is just a human way to illustrate the glory and majesty of what Jesus Christ did. Choosing of the garments, if you look with me at verse 2. <clears throat> and thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, and an ephod, and a robe, and a broidered goat, coat, and a mitre, and a girdle, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his son, and that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And they shall take gold, and blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine linen. Now, I want us to note God's order in what I just read, and you see it later in the passage. It's not as what we would think would be natural. Aaron and his sons first consecrated and clothed afterwards, but first clothed in garments of glory and beauty, and then consecrated. These garments were intended to confer dignity on Aaron and to display typically the fullness of grace and glory laid up in him whose royal priesthood Aaron was now consecrated to foreshadow. And so the garments themselves were the key uh, to the whole office that he had. They were to display the different facets of the perfections of Christ, the great high priest and of God's glory. And so it was to show forth the beauty of Christ and His holiness. And this was to give dignity and honor. It was not until you'll see later in this passage that Aaron had on these garments that he was actually consecrated for the priesthood. It was not him it was who he represented. And uh, I think that's very interesting. It was to exalt the importance of the office, to give dignity and honor. And uh, folks, all dignity, beauty, and honor comes from God. I mentioned this morning that we often don't talk about the need for fear and reverence because we often really want to talk about the grace and mercy that's in the Lord. But we'll never really understand that unless we have a reverence for God. And I think as we think of Christ as our dearest friend, as we think of the oneness that we have with Him, I've been thinking here recently, and I, even in my prayer time, it's just the need to worship and bow before Him. He is God. He is the splendor of deity. And, uh, and so we see here this uh, was to be awe-inspiring. And these garments were to be made in the power of the Spirit, the Spirit's wisdom. They were to be made in perfection by His Spirit's wisdom. So this speaks of Christ's perfect work. 
It's the lamb was to be spotless and without blemish for the sacrifice. Christ was the perfect lamb, but he is the perfect high priest. And so this was to be perfect like Christ, and the only way that could occur was for the Spirit of God to actually guide and lead in the making of these garments. Just like the Bible is inspired of God, can I carefully say it's in a different way, but these garments were inspired by God. They were given by God's Word, and they were enabled by God's Spirit. And it's very interesting as you look at the materials involved uh, with the high priest's garments that they match the message of the tabernacle. The door, the curtains, the veil of the tabernacle were commanded to be made of blue, purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen, setting forth the spotless righteousness, uh, the precious blood, royal dignity of Christ, our dwelling place. And so Aaron, who would stand at the door of the holy place, all around him were the same beautiful colors and the matching types of material. And so all of this together was the message of the work of Jesus Christ, uh, the whole sacrificial system. My friends, every little part of making the tabernacle and the priestly garments needed, were, were to be followed completely. This was made these were given by God so that there would be the fullest and best illustration possible for the people of Israel to understand what it was going to take for their salvation. Well, let's look at the description now of the garments. Verse 6, And they shall make the ephod of gold and of blue and of purple, of scarlet and fine twine linen with cunning work. It shall have the two shoulder pieces thereof joined at the two edges thereof, and so it shall be joined together. And the curious girdle of the ephod which is upon it shall be of the same, according to the work thereof, even of the gold, of blue, and of purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen. Thou shalt take two onyx stones and grave on them the names of the children of Israel, six of the names on the one side, the other six names on, of the rest on the other stone, according to their birth." With the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, thou shalt thou engrave the two stones which, uh, with the names of the children of Israel, thou shalt make them to be set in couches of gold. And thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod, for the stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. Well, we're just going to touch on this, but the ephod was the mark of the high priest. And I'm going to show you one of the many different descriptions we could show you of the high priest here. And um, uh, there are different shades of color and you'll see different ones. But this helps you at least get the idea of uh, how uh, this all goes together. And uh, this was very important, this matter of the ephod, in 1 Samuel 2.28, speaking about Eli the high priest, and did I choose him out of the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? In other words, this was the key identification of Eli as the high priest. And uh, so the ephod probably was the high priestly waistcoat woven of blue, 
purple, scarlet, and white linen thread, all intertwined with gold thread. Instead of having sleeves or being joined at the sides, it was hung from the shoulders by straps on which one ox stone was mounted on each strap on top of the golden clasp with the names of the six younger sons of Israel engraved on one stone and the six elder sons engraved on the other stone. And so that's the, uh, uh, the main part of what made the high priest distinctive from the other uh, priests was this ephod that was joined at the shoulders, it was in the back and in the front. It had the, the very uh, key colors representing the work of Christ that was seen in the tabernacle. It was the pure official garment of the high priest. It identified him uh, with all that would go on in the tabernacle. And uh, in fact, the high priest would stand at the door of the tabernacle, the veil, and uh, we talked about this on Wednesday night. Jesus Christ said, I am the door. And, uh, and so you had this whole identification here. Uh, and so that's very, very important. Then there's the breastplate of judgment. Now, a number of verses speak of this. And I'm not going to read all of them. Um, and uh, in fact, let me just talk about uh, the um, uh, this, let me, uh, verse 15, and thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work after the work of the ephod. Notice the colors again, gold and the blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine twine linen shalt thou make it. Here's what I want you to see. Four square it shall be being doubled. A span shall be a length thereof and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And thou shalt set it in settings of stones, and you can see the rows of the beautiful stones, and they're all different. And on them you had the twelve uh, names of the children of Israel, every one of them, all twelve tribes. So let me just mention a few things here. This was a square piece of cloth, four square, set over the priest's heart. And uh, this was a very important part of this. And on that breastplate of judgment were inscribed all 12 names of the 12 tribes. And so the high priest bore on him, uh, right on his heart, all of the tribes of the nation of Israel. And uh, this shows the, how Christ bears us on his heart. He ever lives to make intercession for us. And so this personal identification of the high priest with his people and that very striking placement of this four square um, uh, breastplate uh, is very, very important. Now three times it is stated in this passage that the breastplate is over the heart of the high priest. The same colors again are used. It's four square, and uh, it was nine inch by nine inch square. Uh, two rings at the lower inside lower corners attached the breastplate to the rings of the ephod with a blue cord. And uh, you can see how that all went together. And, uh, and so it is interesting, the... Uh, 
you can make a little bit of this because this is mentioned in the making of the tabernacle. The burnt offering was four square. The altar of incense was four square. And uh, what was the key aspect of the priest? To bear the burden of prayer and of the sacrifices before the Lord in the tabernacle. Jesus Christ is our intercessor and He is our mediator. And it's on His heart to do that. And it is interesting that the uh, New Jerusalem, Revelation 21.16, and the city lieth four square. <laughs> and you have all the names of not only the uh, tribes but the apostles there in that place. God just loves to identify with us. That's the whole point. The precious stones were set in order and they were in the exact positions of the tribes uh, encamped around the tabernacle. They were set permanently. Um, their position was not changed despite how they acted. <laughs> uh, even, even after the division of the tribes uh, of, the, uh, of Israel and Judah, the high priest still had all twelve. Uh, they were jewels of the highest intrinsic value. And the beauty of them was not necessarily seen, you know, if you didn't have much light, but oh, if you had the sunlight or just light upon them, the, the glory of those jewels uh, were seen. And of course, the beauty of Christ and His work and, and what He does to make us glorified. We're going to be glorified like Him, and we will have uh, that beauty that comes from His Light. No two of the stones were alike. God see, say, saw each of the individual tribes as unique and individual, and God sees each of us as individual. They were gathered from different localities, representing, I believe you have a, a great uh, hint here of the uh, reaching the world, all of the Gentiles, because these they, he did not pick stones that were only native to Israel, but uh, pick stones that were uh, from many, many different places. And so they were close to his heart continually. If you look down at verse 29, And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel and the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goeth in into the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. And then it's held together. I just read a little bit of that, but it, it's held onto the ephod by gold. That's interesting. It was secured by gold. What is the uh, wonderful symbology of gold? Deity. And so we are secure over the heart of the Savior. And we are secured by His divine nature and His power. Uh, we will never be forsaken. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then there's the uh, Urim and the Thummim, verse 30. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart. When he goeth in before the Lord, and Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. There it is stated again. They were two stones. And uh, 
Urim begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Thummim with the last letter. Um, And so we don't know exactly what all that means, but somehow there was some way that through those stones God gave uh, direction to Israel. And, um, And there's all kind of conjecture on it, but there was clearly a way that God did it. Uh, for instance, when David came to Abiathar the priest in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 7, he said, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And the Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David, and David inquired at the Lord, Shall I pursue after uh, this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. And... Um, and so uh, you find this mentioned several places, Ezra 2.63 in the Tirshatha, that's the, uh, the governor saith unto them that they should not eat of the most holy things till there stood up a priest with Urim and Thummim. And so God does lead and guide us. And isn't it wonderful our high priest now has promised wisdom and we have all that we need. Then you have the robe of the ephod and uh, and so that is a seamless garment you can see under the ephod and was a little longer than the ephod. Along its hem was blue, purple, and scar- scarlet pomegranates and golden uh, brass which tinkled as the priest served in the tabernacle. And um, uh, many believe that when uh, he went into the Holy of Holies, for on the Day of Atonement, if uh, the sacrifice was not accepted and the high priest was slain, they would know that by the bells. And, uh, and so uh, he always had a cord around him that he could be pulled out for no one could go into the Holy of Holies. We have no record that that happened. But um, tinkling bells were uh, part of that. And uh, you can see uh, the beautiful blue uh, type color underneath the ephod there. And then there is the mitre, verse 36, and thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet holiness to the Lord. And thou shalt put it on, and again I mentioned how holiness is the key aspect of the attributes of God, and thou shalt put it on a blue lace that it may be upon the mitre, upon the forefront of the mitre it shall be, and it shall be upon Aaron's forehead, that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their holy gifts, and it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. There was a white linen turban headdress. Many pictures show it much larger than what we have in this one picture here. But then right here across the forehead was uh, in a golden nameplate, holiness to the Lord. And uh, separated unto God, representing the holy God. And, and, and you notice the two aspects, golden for deity uh, and holiness speaking of the perfection of God. Jesus Christ was God, yet man identified with us. And he was perfectly holy. And that's the only way he could be our sacrifice. Um, And then you have the linen girdle, the sash worn around the waist of the priest, which hung down on the ends. And this uh, helped added dignity and honor to the priest and helped the people appreciate them. This uh, looked 
uh, uh, very uh, striking. And more things could be said about it. But I want you to see that these garments alone were to show forth the glory of the mediatorial work of Jesus Christ. And so the high priest uh, represented the great high priest who would come. And one more note I do want you to note in uh, the, the fact that th uh, after they were anointed, that they were to make linen breeches, verse 42, to cover their nakedness from the loins even to the thighs. And so when they approached and came to the tabernacle of the congregation and went uh, near unto the altar, uh, that they, everything needed to be done appropriately, modestly, carefully, and uh, there was to be the, the highest of decorum. And uh, where are, th where's the temple of the Holy uh, where's the temple of the Most High today? I'm looking at the temple. And uh, where is our great high priest? Well, he's at the right hand of the Father, but he sent the Holy Spirit to us. And uh, folks, I think we need to live our lives with the highest of decorum, do you not think? Uh, I, I mean, to, to think, and that we're all a nation of priests. We have the privilege of bringing people to God and the great ministry of reconciliation has been given to us. And so all of the very careful protocol of how the altar was to be uh, approached and the dress and all of the aspects and the conduct of the priest, um, all of that was to be carefully done. And uh, we today, knowing all of this and having the very glory of God in us, uh, how careful we need to be. If they were careful then, thousands times more, we ought to be careful today. Folks, grace does not equal license to be like the world. Grace enables us to have the power to be like the world. I mean, be like, uh, uh, victorious over the world and be like God. It's very important for us to see this, and I have, uh, I'm struck with that. But let me just finish here as we go into the table of the Lord these elements here tonight represent Jesus Christ. We think him, of him as the humble carpenter, and we should, as he humbled himself. The teacher that walked the hills of Galilee, that loved the disciples and taught them. The man, Jesus Christ. The gracious, loving, long-suffering Son of God. We think of him as he was nailed to that cross and the horrible suffering that he went through. And this is what we're representing here tonight. But we've got to understand that one that became all of those things was represented by what you see in front of you, by the high priest showing forth deity, beauty, glory, holiness, perfection. If we saw that outfit in the sunlight, it, we would go like that. Just a little touch of what it's going to be like to see the glorified Savior. And tonight, as we partake of the elements, we need to understand that this represents clearly, obviously, the sacrifice. But my friends, the sacrifice is the high priest. 
Only He could be our sacrifice. The perfect, holy God, man. And so the whole picture is there. He's the perfect lamb. He is the perfect high priest. And He still is our high priest. And we must, we must revel in the dignity, the perfection, and the glory of our Savior. These were given by God for a purpose, and they are profitable for us today. And oh, how we need to worship Him. How we need, as we remember what He's done, He's calling us to dedication. He is calling us to worship Him. He is calling us uh, to give our lives to Him. And there's one thing more tonight that I want us to be thinking about. And the Lord really laid this on my heart last night. And that is that this one who was foreshadowed, who is all of that and infinitely more, he did all of this not just for us in here. And I I tell you, God's been stirring my heart. How can I walk past people in this area? and not be moved. Jesus loves them as much as He loves me. The people that drive by you, the people that live next to you, this was for them too. We've talked about the Jewish people that need to be reached. But folks, we can't do it without the power of God. But look what God did in His perfection. And what God did after the high priest became the sacrifice and offered up the, his sacrifice and acceptable unto God and rose again and won the victory. After that, the Spirit of God came and that community was shaken. But it's because the people prayed and they understood this is serious business. And uh, I trust as we remember tonight what Christ has done for us, that we will, as we pray together, would, would we pray, Lord, give us that heart. Help us to understand what's at stake. It's not just people. It's priceless people. It's people that are on the heart of Jesus. They were represented even back then. It is very important to God. There's nothing more important to God. Not all the stuff we do. What is important to God is the fulfillment of what Jesus Christ did as the Lamb slain and all of this beautiful Word of God that just continues a scarlet thread, opens up more and more, and the picture is, is there. And then at the perfect time, Jesus came. And this is not to be wasted. But He's given unto us, as I've mentioned, the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, folks, tonight... How can we celebrate this without a broken heart for them? We don't have it, but the Holy Spirit does. And may God help us tonight.